If you have your Bibles, will you pull them out? Open up to Matthew chapter 11. Uh, We're going to really just sit in this passage today, Um, but I'm going to read verses 25 through 30. Our focus for our time together this morning is going to be verses 28 through 30. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for your Son, for his finished work on behalf of those who could not accomplish it on their own, for salvation through the finished work of Christ, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for this promise of rest from our Savior. I pray that as we search your word this morning, you would give us right, good understanding of it, that your spirit would be at work in our hearts as believers to rightly apply it, that we may find the rest that many of us are so needing in this day and age while we serve you, Lord. All of this for your glory and for our good. It is because of Christ that we can pray. Amen. Rest. How many of you came here this morning just a little bit tired. Tired kind of seems to be a a state of normal for me at many times. Uh, I can remember a time when people would ask how I was doing, and my most common reply was, I'm tired. How are you doing? I'm tired. Rest is something we all need. And the rest that Jesus speaks of and the first mention of it in our passage is something that all sinners are utterly desperate for. Did you by chance notice that in our passage, Jesus mentions rest twice? One of them is a rest that he gives, and one is a rest that we find by his mercy. Well, it's my aim this morning that you will have a deeper and clearer understanding of this rest and the differences between them by the end of our time. Uh, This particular passage is one that has long eluded my understanding experientially. 
What I mean is I I believe I understood it. I, I believe I know what Jesus was saying. I had a clear understanding of what he meant, but I have struggled to find rest, the rest that Christ promises in the second portion of our text. And uh, in this past few months, in many counseling sessions, and in just my own personal continued growth, it has become clearer to me what Jesus is speaking of. And it's been a huge blessing. And so I had hoped that by preaching on it this morning, by sharing these things with you, it would also be a blessing to you. Now, as I often do after my study and my digging into the text, my understanding of what the Word of God says, I went to my favorite pastor, Charles Spurgeon. Uh, Sorry, my favorite old pastor, Charles Spurgeon. Uh, And his sermon on this particular text was just so clear and good that I'll be quoting from it uh, often this morning during my time. There's a lot to see in these few verses, but uh, I have just two main points for you this morning. If you're a note taker, uh, my first point this morning is rest in salvation. And my second point this morning is rest in labor. So rest in salvation and rest in labor. Beginning with point one, rest in salvation, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ's first call here is to a, a people wearied, heavy laden. Now, this is not the, the weary or the heavy ladenness of the cares of this world. This is not the difficult circumstances of life that all mankind find themselves in. Rather, this is the labor of one who is striving to earn a salvation that is impossible to earn. It is a laboring for something unattainable by means of our labor and a burden of the weight of sin and some sense of the wrath of God for it that's causing this heavy ladenness for the hearer. This is a burden of one who knows that he has sinned against the holy and righteous God and yet has been taught or simply falsely believes that through his own striving to correct it, through his own work, his own efforts, he may be forgiven and avoid the wrath that is justly due to him. In this self-labor, what he finds is that it only builds more sin and more wrath. There is an increase in the heavy burden, even while the work to earn God's favor increases. It is a hopeless and futile striving, and all it does is increase the guilt and the burden. If you are striving for your salvation from sin, if you have falsely believed that you can earn it and in some way put God into your debt, yet you find yourself only increasing in your tiredness, your exhaustion, you find that the burden continues to get heavier upon your shoulders, then please hear me clearly repeat the words of our Lord and Savior. All you are to do to be saved from your sin and God's righteous wrath for it is to come to Jesus. There is no other way to salvation. 
The weight of sin and the proper wrath of God will remain on you who strive to earn God's favor because you are trusting in your own self and your own works to be saved. Aren't you exhausted from this? In God's gracious plan, may it be his will to open your eyes this morning to the reality that your striving is futile and all you need to do is come to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus simply says, come. The audience that he is speaking to is those who know God as all men do and realize in some sense either through God's mercy or perhaps less fortunately through the evil one's accusations, that their sin against God is heavy and that they must do something about it. It weighs them down. They are striving for something but have not found the way to the relief that they are so desperate for. They work hard hoping to earn the salvation their souls so long for. They pray and fast and sacrifice, and yet they do not know how to be relieved. And this is because they do not know the way to God. They do not know God in a salvific way. They know of God in a way that leaves them without excuse, but does not provide them with the right knowing of Christ Jesus and the answer to their burden. Again, if this is you this morning then hear this clearly. The only way to God is through Jesus. To you, Jesus says, come. Charles Spurgeon says it this way in his sermon on the passage, all you that labor, there is the activity of men bearing the yoke and ready to labor after salvation. Heavy laden, There is the passive form of their religious condition. They sustain a burden. They are pressed down and sorely wearied by the load they bear. There are to be found many who are actively engaged in seeking salvation. They believe that if they obey the precepts of the law, they will be saved. And they are endeavoring to the utmost to do them. They have been told that the performance of certain rites and ceremonies will also save them. They are performing those with great care. The yoke is on their shoulders, and they are laboring diligently. It is to these the Savior addresses his loving admonition. In effect, he tells them, This is not the way to rest. Your self-imposed labors will end in disappointment. Cease your wearisome exertions and believe in me, for I will at once give you rest, the rest which my labors have earned. For believers. Hear Christ's words this morning. If you have labored in hopes that your work will bring your salvation, you have only but one thing to do come. Come to Him who has finished the work of salvation on behalf of those who believe. Lay aside your striving, for it can never earn your salvation. Now, perhaps you're thinking, what does it mean to come? And oh, I. I pray that the Spirit is at work in your hearts this morning and you are longing to know what this coming to Christ means. 
There's much to understand in this word, come. To come unto Christ is a, a leaving of the old life, the old ways. It is a turning to Christ in faith. Faith that he is the Savior. Desiring him to be your Lord, to be your God. This come is a call to repentance, turning away from sin, the old self, and faith in Christ. Turning to Christ in faith. Again, repentance is a turning away from all the things that you've trusted in. It's a turning away from your sinful life. And faith is a believing in Jesus. What he has said, who he is, that he has accomplished salvation for his beloved. This come as a call to repentance and faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is a belief that he is fully God and fully man. That he died for your sins in your place. That he is risen. That he is ruling and reigning on the throne now. That he will give you what he has promised and what you so desperately need. That is rest from the burden of trying to earn your salvation. That is rest from the heavy load you are under. Faith is a belief that salvation is found in Christ Jesus alone. Faith is a true and genuine trust in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is what it means to come unto Christ. The weight that you are under, the exhaustive striving that you are doing on your own, it only produces more of the reality that the wrath of God that your sin has loaded upon your shoulders will still remain there. Oh, hearer, you must understand this. There is no salvation apart from repentance and faith in Christ. You cannot earn it. You cannot redeem yourself. You cannot satisfy the wrath of God for your sin, but Christ can and has for all of his beloved Leave your sin and your self-reliance behind. Leave all that you have trusted in so far, all that has proven not to lift your burden. Leave your desire to rule your own life and come to Christ in faith. And he will, that very moment, give you rest. Spurgeon again said it this way. Let your contemplations Think of him who bore the load of human sin upon the cross of Calvary, where he was made sin for us. Let your minds consider him who from the cross hurled the enormous mass of his people's transgressions into a bottomless pit where it was buried forever. Think of Jesus, the divinely appointed substitute and sacrifice for guilty man. Then seeing that he is God's own son, let faith follow your contemplation. Rely upon him. Trust in him as having suffered in your stead. Look to him for the payment of the debt which is due to you from the wrath of God. This is to come to Jesus. Repentance and faith make up this come. The repentance which leaves the place where you now stand. The faith which comes into reliance upon Jesus. Come, 
Look upon the Lord Jesus and believe upon his name. Trust in his finished work and come receive rest. There is no other person in this world or the heavens above to find this rest of salvation but in Christ Jesus alone. So come. If you are hearing these truths this morning, if you are the one whom Christ is speaking of in our passage today, do not curse the heavy burden that weighs upon your shoulders, but thank God for it, because it may be his gracious will that by this burden he means to show you that you will never find rest apart from Christ. So come. Brothers and sisters in Christ, would you pause with me this morning and pray for those who are here or listening, who have not come unto Jesus for salvation, but labor toward it on their own as if that were even possible. Pray for those who are zealously pursuing salvation in false religions that teach them to do all that they can, and then their God, their false God, will save them. Pray for those who are zealous in their belief and yet ignorant to the truth of God and the reality that salvation is found in Christ alone. Pray for those whom God is drawing unto himself through a heavy burden of their sin, that they would come unto Christ and find rest in salvation. Let's pray right now. Father, we pray sincerely this morning for those here or listening, that they would lay down the burden and work that they think will give them favor with you and instead turn to your Son, through whom they will find salvation and rest. We pray, Lord, that your Spirit would grant repentance and salvation and that these hearers would come now in faith to Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, would your spirit be moving upon the hearts of those here this morning, turning hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, that many in repentance and faith surrendering their lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior this very morning would lift their head without the crushing weight of their sin upon their shoulders when we say amen. This is your work, Father. Salvation belongs to you, and we know that well. So we ask that it be done this morning for your people's good and for your glory. It is because of Christ Jesus that we can pray. Amen. Sinner, do not leave here this morning attempting to carry that burden. It is not yours to bear. You will not succeed in that. Rather, come. Come to faith in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he will give you rest indeed. You know you have sinned against your Creator. You know you deserve the wrath of God for your sins. You have failed to find salvation in yourself or the things of this world, so repent. Turn from those things. Turn from your sin and come to Christ Jesus in faith. Jesus declares that he will give those who come unto him rest. This is not a come and do. It's not a come and perform or work to get. It is simply a come, for he is willing to give you rest. This is the promise of our Lord to you. Jesus says, I will give you rest. This is a loving admonition of Christ to come. Come. 
see the beauty and grace of God in this rest that is promised. It is promised as a gift. Christ Jesus says, come and I will give it to you. A gift is not something earned. A handout is not something deserved. The free gift of God through the finished work of Christ Jesus is salvation to the sinner apart from their own works, but given through faith, and even that faith is a work of God so that no man may boast. Start to finish salvation belongs to the Lord. This is what Jesus declared in the verses prior to the verses that we're focusing on this morning. That's why I wanted to include them in our initial reading. This call to come is a call to repentance and faith in Christ, with which he will give you rest, and it is oh so sweet. Church, this first call of Christ is indeed the first step in the life of a Christian. Christian, do you not remember how sweet this call was to you when the Lord graciously saved you? Jesus said, come, and he gave you rest. Rest you could never find anywhere else. Rest from the crushing weight of sin and wrath that you knew was due to you. Oh, that we would lift high the name of Jesus, that we would remember the finished work of Christ and praise him rightly for it, church. Praise the Lord, church, for salvation belongs to him. And all we did through his mercy was come. I pray, Christian, that you have not forgotten this. If you have found yourself in a season of striving in order to receive some sort of forgiveness for your sin, Christian, then remember this morning that your sin was paid in full by him, and that at the very moment he gave you faith, his payment was applied to you. It has been my experience that we as believers tend to forget this truth. We, we tend to fall back into this trap. It puts us in a very unfortunate state of mind. We make the mistake of applying this first portion of our text and the gift of rest promised by Jesus with the next portion, which we're going to focus on shortly. We, we confuse the two realities in our mind, and we come again to a state of thinking. If I don't work harder, if I don't succeed in my obedience, then I must not be saved. Christian, you were not saved by your obedience to begin with. You were saved by Christ. If your obedience feels weighty, if it feels like a heavy burden and stirs worry in your heart that your soul may be lost, then be reminded of this once again. You were saved by the grace of God, and this was not your own doing. You were saved by the effectual call of Christ to come unto him. You were saved by faith in his finished work. Do not let the deception of sin or the lies of the evil one cause you to return to a burden that you were never fit for in the first place, Christian. It is finished, was the cry at the cross from your Lord and Savior. Your faith in his work is what brings you this first rest. Don't confuse these two rests Christ speaks of in our passage this morning. 
If you are feeling the weight of your sin, remember that that has been dealt with and repent. If your obedience feels like a damning burden, then you've forgotten the joy of your salvation in your first rest. And this clarity is so important. It will save you from a million heartaches and wasted time, Christian. But it leads me to my second point this morning, point two, the rest in labor. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 through 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, first, as a way of reminder that Christ said, Come, and I will give you rest in our previous verse. After this coming, after genuine repentance and salvation, rest from the yoke of sin-bearing wrath, there is a second state that Christ calls the man to. He says as a second point, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. If you have been saved, if you've found that first rest where you know your sin was paid for and your salvation secured in Christ, then you must hear Christ's gracious admonition to take the yoke of Christ upon yourself and learn from him. Now, just in case you don't know what a yoke is, let me define and unpack that for you. Uh, The definition of yoke is a wooden cross piece that is fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to the plow or cart that they are to pull. A yoke is this large thing that goes over the neck and attaches two animals together. It is heavy. It is a tool for work. It is attached to a plow that's even heavier. So heavy, in fact, that you need the two animals to move the plow instead of one. And then the yoke sits on the neck of its bearer, and the bearer pushes it forward doing their work. If the yoke is not in the proper position, it can hurt the one who is wearing it, the animal specifically. Jesus is applying this illustration to man. He's using an illustration that an agrarian culture would certainly have understood. Many there listening probably put the yokes on their animals throughout their life. And so they got that illustration very well. They knew that a yoke was a tool of work. But I thought Jesus said we would find rest. Indeed, he did. After, he said, to take his yoke upon us. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29a, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We will find rest in the work of Christ Jesus, provided that we learn from him. We'll learn what? Christ Jesus says, learn from me, for I am gentle, or meek, and lowly in heart. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." Christian, we have much business to do with these two heart and spirit-focused characteristics of Christ Jesus. Christian, we are not saved from work. We are saved from the wrath of God due to our sins. 
However, in this saving, we are brought unto something new. We are saved unto good works, which God has prepared beforehand for our good and his glory. Again, we are not saved by good works. After we are saved, we are saved unto good works. We are saved from the striving for that which we could not attain, namely salvation from our sin through Jesus' finished work on our behalf. But we are not saved unto nothing. We are not promised no labor. In fact, Christ very clearly calls us to take up our cross and follow him. That's a suffering kind of labor. See this clearly, Christian. Now that the yoke of slavery to sin is removed by salvation in Christ, Jesus himself says, take up my yoke and learn from me. Because we are secured in him for our eternal rest, Jesus says now, come find a rest in the labor that I've saved you unto. We are to take up the work of Christ, the good deeds that God prepared beforehand, We're to take up the cross of Christ, which bids us come and die, and we are to work. If we do this rightly, if we learn from Christ Jesus to be lowly in heart, to be meek, we will find rest in this labor. In fact, we as safe saints and servants of God will find our souls resting in the labor of Christ Jesus, if we hear these words of his and rightly apply them to our life. So let me ask you, Christian, have you found rest in your labors to serve and honor Christ Jesus, your Lord and Master? If not, then lean in this morning and hear what Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. First, see that the yoke, the work of God for you, is something you take up. It is a willing service to God who saved you from your sin. Christ calls us to take his yoke upon ourselves. This is a proper response of a heart changed by God. When God gives us a new heart, we have new desires. These desires are to make much of God in all that we do, to bring praise and honor to Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is similar to the call of Christ to take up our cross daily and follow him. The Christian rightly desires to serve his Lord, and so Christ does not need to force you, believer, to take up your yoke. You desire it. In the same way that you couldn't help tell others around you about your newfound salvation in Christ when he first saved you. Have you forgotten your zeal, Christian, for the Lord of glory? Don't you remember your burning desire to make much of his name in any way possible when you first tasted that sweet rest, your salvation? Think upon this and take up your yoke. Take up your cross and follow after Christ. Second, see that part of this taking up of your yoke consists of learning from Christ. And perhaps the word part is an error. If you are to find rest for your souls in the labor of the yoke of Christ, you must learn from him. You must go to the word of God, 
to learn about Jesus. Spurgeon said this, The rest before us is a rest through learning. Does a friend say, I do not see how I am ever to get rest in working and rest in suffering? My dear brother, you never will except you go to school, and you must go to school to Christ. Learn of me, said he, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Now in order to learn of Christ, it is implied that we lay aside all prejudices of the past. The things much prevalent, sorry, these things much prevent our finding peace. Have you any preconceived notions of what religion should be? Have you fashioned on your own anvil ideas of what the doctrines of the gospel ought to be? Throw them all away, learn of Jesus, and unlearn your own thoughts. Then, when you are willing to learn, please note what is to be learned. In order to get perfect rest of mind, you have to learn of Jesus. Not only the doctrines which he teaches, but a great deal more than that. To go to school, to be orthodox, is a good enough thing. But the orthodoxy which brings rest is an orthodoxy of the Spirit. Observe the text, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What? For I am wise and learned and can teach you? No. You are to learn from his example to be meek and lowly in heart. In learning that, you will find rest unto your souls. To catch the Spirit of Jesus is the road to rest. To believe what he teaches me is something. To acknowledge him as my religious leader and as my Lord is much, but to strive to be conformed to his character, not merely in its external developments, but in its interior spirit, this is the grammar of rest. Learn to be like the meek and lowly-hearted one, and you shall find rest." Christian, we must learn what God has graciously given us in his word. We must learn what God declares about himself because what he declares is truth. The Christian who claims salvation and yet never longs to know his Lord, never longs for his word to grow in his knowledge of God is at best an infant who never matures and never finds joy in this life under the yoke of Christ. At worst, he is one who is falsely claiming faith and not truly a Christian at all. When God saves us, he gives us a new heart. This new heart has new desires. And one of them, perhaps the highest of them, is to know God and to serve him. However, this learning of God is not merely learning doctrine or realities about God for our head knowledge. It is not less than that, but it is so much more than that. We are to take these truths and grow in our sanctification through them, becoming more and more Christ-like. We are to strive to be molded into the image of Christ, our example, our Savior, and our Lord, not to be forgiven for sins. That has already happened. But because he forgave us for our sins, we strive to honor him with our lives. This is what Jesus is calling us to in this passage. Christian, have you been striving to do the work of the Lord and yet lack the rest that you are so desirous of? This is where I've found myself much in my life. Let me submit to you, as I had to submit to myself, that perhaps this lacking of rest is because you have missed the vital truth from Christ in our passage. We must learn from Christ 
Christ who causes us to find rest for our souls in our labor. We must learn how to be meek, gentle, and lowly of heart as our King Jesus was. This is really where the truth of the passage becomes so sweet if you will lean into it. I've shared in multiple counseling sessions over these past few months, and I've been pressing myself into this even more to a greater degree because it really changes the weight of the work that the Lord has given to us. I want to know what it means to be meek, to be lowly of heart, as Christ Jesus was. I need rest. A good number of you have heard me share this with you in the past few months, that we as Christians must assume the best in others. We must be willing to be fooled. We must remember that we love others out of our love for Christ because that's exactly what he did for us. When we take on the heart of Christ, that is gentle, meek, humble, that thinks more highly of others than of ourselves. It is here that we find the rest for our souls that we so long for. Husband, are you exhausted in your effort to love and lead your family? Are you tired from the counter-effective work of thorns and thistles that have been promised to you in the word of God? Are you convinced that you deserve better? Has your heart become proud? Are you offended because those who have been entrusted to you are not honoring you or acknowledging the work that you are doing to lead? Then learn from Christ, for he is gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest. Wives, how about you? Brothers and sisters in, in Christ, are those around you surely out to get you? Are you offended by what you assume to be an attack against you? Do you not see how this posture is making the yoke heavy and out of place? When we as believers take up our yoke, but we lay it wrongly on our shoulders, because our hearts are not remembering to be gentle, meek, humble, it will be out of place. And there will be no rest in our labors. We will, instead of working with Jesus under his yoke, be working against him. I want to lay this out in a very practical way in hopes that you can really see it better, what Christ is calling us to. God the Son, the second person of the triune God who deserves all praise and all glory, who had glory with the Father before the world began, assumed, took on a human nature. He entered into his own creation. He obeyed the law of God perfectly. And then he died the death that sinners, that's us, deserved. He did all of this primarily out of his love for the Father and to glorify him. And secondarily, though not in a lesser kind of way, because of the great love with which he had for you whom he saved. What better example of humbleness could we possibly have than the gospel? Christian, if you would but remember your first rest, that you deserve far worse than God has graciously provided for you, perhaps that may be the first step toward learning how to put on the Spirit of Christ in your labors for him, reminding yourself for your great need to be meek, humble, 
lowly of heart. I am certain of this when I love my wife out of an overflow of my love for Christ and all that he has done for me, then I can love her through any sinful failure she commits. Likewise, when my wife learns from Christ to be lowly of heart and meek, she can love me through any and all of my failures. In fact, when we both learn what God has said in his word, when we both apply it, when my wife sees that she should respect me, when I see that I should love her and be gentle towards her, when we get this in our heads and we apply this to our hearts, it is the sweetest time in our marriage. Sweeter than any fun yet sinful and struggling time ever produced. When we take up the meekness of Christ, the lowly heartedness of Christ, it brings sweet, sweet moments. So restful. This takes a learning of right doctrine from God's perfect word, and it takes a learning from Christ's example, and a striving to put on Christ in our daily lives as we serve him and make much of his name. Another example that I can give you is for us elders. When we serve the body in meek humbleness, then when someone comes to us and confronts us about something they think is wrong, perhaps it's just a a gripe about something they don't like, we're not undone by it. Even if the person is incorrect. How many times, just a side note, how many times are you ready to do this well until you see that the person confronting you is really off by what they're saying? And then immediately you're like, no, the person's wrong. This is ridiculous. I'm done with this. shouldn't matter, Christian. We should want to hear them all the same. If the person is correct, we are meek and lowly in heart and therefore quick to repent because we are not perfect. No one is. We must do this well. It keeps us from hypocrisy when we say to you, follow us as we follow Christ. Now, when the person is incorrect, we're not offended. We're not wearied by this labor because we have put down our pride. When someone comes in an unbiblical fashion, we are not standing on their error, unable to hear or listen anymore because they're doing it wrong. Rather, in meekness and humbleness, we look past the failure to come in a biblical manner so that we can hear the person well. And then in love, we help them see where they did error for their good and growth. We do this after having heard the person, though, because we want to know where we could be off before we assume others are off. And we want our body to know that we care for them, we love them, we love you. Spurgeon said it this way, take the word meek. First, if I actively labor for Christ, I can only find rest in the labor by possessing the meek spirit of my Lord. For if I go forth to labor for Christ without a meek spirit, I shall very soon find that there is no rest in it, for the yoke will gall my shoulder. Somebody will begin objecting that I do not perform my work according to their liking. Well, if I am meek, I shall find my proud... Sorry, if I am not meek, I shall find my proud spirit rising at once and shall be for defending myself. I shall be irritated 
or I shall be discouraged and inclined to do no more because I'm not appreciated as I should be. A meek spirit is not apt to be angry and does not soon take offense. Therefore, if others find fault, the meek spirit goes on working. It is not offended. It will not hear the sharp word nor reply to the severe criticism. If the meek spirit be grieved by some cutting censure and suffers for a moment, it is always ready to forgive and blot out the past and go on again. The meek spirit in working only seeks to do good to others. It denies itself. It never expected to be well-treated. It did not aim at being honored. It never sought itself, but purposed only to do good to others. The meek spirit bowed its shoulder to the yoke and expected to have to continue bowing in order to keep the yoke in the right place for labor. It did not look to be exalted by yoke-bearing. It is fully contented if it can exalt Christ and do good to his chosen ones. Remember how meek and lowly Jesus was in all his service and how calmly, therefore, he bore with those who opposed him. Your labor will become very easy if your spirits are very meek. It is the proud spirit that gets tired of doing good if it finds its labors not appreciated. But the brave, meek spirit finds the yoke to be easy. If you learn his meekness, his yoke will be pleasant to your shoulder, and you will never wish to have it removed. You see, the meekness, the humbleness, keeps us in a right-centered posture when we do the work that God has prepared for us. This works in our day-to-day relationships, too. When we are first giving the benefit of the doubt to the things that we are not fully understanding of, if we then come to find out that there was sin involved, that the person did act in a way that is not biblical, we will desire to be quick to forgive and to continue on in the work of the Lord. This makes those difficult conversations and interactions so much easier. Will you take up the position, sorry, when you take up the position of pride, then you will be offended. You will be hurt. You will assume all sorts of things. And and Christian, let me remind you, you are not Christ. You do not know the hearts of man. What kind of folly do we do when we play games in our head and have millions of conversations, waste hours and days being upset because we think we know what somebody meant? When you take up the position of pride, you will be offended. You will be hurt. You will spend hours and days in your own head wearying your soul with the issues at hand. This is exhausting, Christian. You know it is. And it is because we are not learning from Christ and conforming our heart to his. There's an old saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, right? You've all probably heard that unless you're really young and they just don't say that anymore. It shows you how old I am. Let me submit to you that this is not a biblical saying. We should grow in our wisdom and discernment so that we're not fooled into sin or unbiblical thoughts about God, indeed. However, we should be quick 
to forgive, quick to overlook an offense. Don't the scriptures say this? It is better for you to overlook an offense. This state of mind and heart makes our daily walk, our serving the Lord with our lives, much more restful. How many times must we forgive our brothers and sisters? Well, Christ said seven times 70. Before you get your notepad out and start counting and adding and going, well, maybe I've already done that. He wasn't being literal. It's not literally seven times 70, do the math, and then when you've done it, you're good, right? (laughs) He meant always. The way I like to say this, as many times as God has forgiven you for your sins, As many sins as you have committed against God, you be willing to forgive those around you for theirs. So it never stops, right? You never get there. The second part that we must learn from Jesus is the lowly of heart part. It is helpful for us to withstand the offense of the world around us. Christians the world over are under persecution for their faith. Unless the Lord changes the circumstances, those of us here in the U.S. will soon, if we aren't already, be dealing with this in an increasing manner. We must learn how to be lowly of heart so that in our persecution we will continue to do the work of the Lord. This lowly of heart brings us a contentment in whatever situation we find ourselves in. We're not depressed if we lose tomorrow all the things that we had today. We will rather be found satisfied with Christ in any and all circumstances. We do this because the lowly heart declares with joy, not my will be done, but yours, O Lord. The lowly heart reminds us that God is the one on the throne. He is sovereign over our circumstances and our days. The lowly heart remembers what it actually deserves for its sin and what the Lord has graciously given it in its place. If we are given another day, we say to live as Christ. If we are called home to the Lord, even in the midst of serving him, if that's the persecution we experience, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. It is to our gain. To live as Christ, to die is gain. In conclusion, perhaps you notice in the definition of the word yoke, that it is a tool that is used to connect two animals together for the purpose of working the field with the plow. Christian, if the yoke of slavery has been removed from you through your salvation in Christ, you have found that first rest, then the workful rest that he calls you to is a yoke he also carries with you. Philippians 2 makes this clear. Philippians 2, 12, second part of verse 12 through 13. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because God is at work. We are yoked with Christ. When we take his yoke upon us, he is the other one bearing the yoke. Learning from Christ is not just learning about him, but it is a working alongside of him as we have been called to do. It is a remembering who else this yoke is connected to. It's an imitating of him in our actions, in our deeds, and in our thoughts.
thoughts, our hearts. When we do this, we find the work to be restful. We save ourselves from hours and days of exhausting frustration when we get these realities right. We also, in the meekness and lowly of heart, realize that if not for Christ giving us the first eternal rest, if not for Christ teaching us and giving us his example, if not for Christ being yoked next to us, we would never find rest or joy in the labor that we are called to. In all of this, God gets the glory, and we receive joy and rest. We will joyfully, one day, day and night, sing the praises of God in eternity. We will work nonstop in our praise, but we will enjoy simultaneously eternal rest. And if not for Christ teaching us, giving us the example, if not for him saving us from our sin, none of us will enjoy that. Will you prepare for these great eternal days now in this life? Come unto Christ for rest. Step one, take up his yoke, learn from him, for he is meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We do all of this because Christ's yoke is easy and his burden is light. We will not avoid the yoke if we have been saved. We will not avoid the temporary burden of the work that God has for us, but we will, if we learn from Jesus, learn that it is easy and light. 2 Corinthians 4.17, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us, sorry, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Praise God, church. Let's pray. Father, we are so blessed. Those whom you have saved are, are unimaginably blessed. Salvation belongs to you start to finish. You rescued us from our sin. You removed the guilt that we deserved for our rebellion against you. You saved us from ourselves. And even in that, you prepared good works for us before you ever saved us. Not only do you prepare work for us, but you make that work easy and light if we would but learn from our Savior. Father, I pray that you would help our hearts to get this that you would help us to slow down. We are in such a fast-paced world. Slowing down is such a foreign thing to us. May your Holy Spirit slow our hearts to be reminded of the meekness of our Savior, the lowliness of heart of our Savior, and in turn, apply that to our own. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would be saving dead hearts to life this morning. You are the only one who can. It is because of Christ that we can pray. Amen.